Just remember this, church is not a place you go. Church is something you are. That's who God made us to be. It's the body of Christ. You're the church. It's not the building. It's not the campus. It's not a location. Someone took this tagline for some kind of uh, credit card, but church is everywhere you go because you're the church. See, once we forget who we are, then we think church is a place we go to rather than it's something that we are. And God intended the church to reach people. He didn't, he didn't create what we call religion. He wanted to build the church through this thing called relationships. The church is basically an extension of God's hand. It does what, what God wants in this world to happen. He wants, he wants to use you and I to bring life to this world because we're in a world that is full of uh, evil and sin. And God says, I'm going to breathe life into this world. And it's going to be through you, the church. Now, we grew up with church as a place we go to. And yes, we use it as a, as a location or we use it in a way of, of saying, oh, where are you going? I'm going to church. Uh, where did you go? I was at church. Where were you last week? I went to church. So we use that in that kind of way. But really... The church is not a place that we go to, and, and sure, we'll use it as a locational thing, but we cannot forget that church is who we are, and it's not really a place we go to. Now, if you're reading through the bookmarker and doing your devotions with us, then we're reading through the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is really named that because that's the actions of the people. It's no longer where Jesus just trained his disciples, and then now they're just a group of people saying, oh, we're, gonna, we're just going to do the things that the Lord taught us in our circle. It was now their turn to go out into the world and reach others for Jesus Christ. So if you're reading through the book of Acts, you're learning that the church right now is at this, ex, at this place of explosive growth. So they see the, the church getting persecuted, but at the same time, because they're getting persecuted, they start to scatter and now more people are coming to know God through the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, you, you'll see a shift from Jerusalem being the central theme of what Jesus was doing in that particular area. And Jerusalem being the central theme of being used to show who God is and, and to be an example and to be the place where God would dwell and God's spirit would be. And you see that shift happen to a place called Antioch where that's where the, the believers or the disciples were first called Christians or Christ followers. So now you have this explosive growth. You have the disciples going from place to place. And then you see this man by the name of Saul become converted. And start to, now he's starting to believe in Jesus Christ. And now his name is Paul. He was someone who persecuted the church, but because he met Jesus Christ, he changed his life. And now he's being used by God in a very powerful way. And so now this church in Antioch continues to thrive and it continues to bear fruit because its vision is to send out people. It's to send out people in teams with like-minded visions and, and uh, there to support one another for the cause. And it empowers them to connect with people. And when they do that, it produces results everywhere they go. So you can see this explosive growth. They're able to bring hope to people. They're able to bring uh, strength and encouragement to people who are living in darkness where once they thought, oh, I have no hope. Now, here comes the disciples and those who follow Christ and Paul the apostle. Now telling them, you are not without hope. 
There is hope, and the hope comes through this person called Jesus Christ. And so they share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of God, that yes, you were once sinners, but now because of Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, your sins are taken care of. Now you have a way back to God. So they're spreading this good news. Many turn to Christ, and some don't. Because in our world, what Jesus experienced is what we're going to experience too. Either they're going to love Christ or hate Christ, or they're going to be skeptical of Christ or suspicious of Him. And we still see that in our world today. Some people would say, well, I don't want to come to God because then God just wants to take away my fun. God is, he, he just wants to take away my fun. He doesn't want me to have fun anymore. I don't know about you, but I have more fun now that I believe in God and follow Him than I did before I followed Him because my fun before ended with uh, either in trouble or something wrong with the law or I got in trouble because of Heidi. You know, I, I did something to hurt her. So she said, why did you do that? Well, I didn't know any better. Whatever it was, that wasn't fun at all. But now it's so much more fun, not because God says, I don't want you to have this fun. He says, no, here's the best kind of fun. The best kind of fun is when it's done according to my ways, not just living however you want to. He, God comes in not to take away our fun, but to give us a greater kind of fun. In other words, he says this, I have come to give you life. See, I'd rather have a fun life than just have fun. And so God says, I'm going to bring that to you, but, but you got to trust me because you don't see the future that I have for you. All you see is what's happening now. That's what God is concerned about. He's, con he's concerned about our potential future. That's why the church exists, because God uses you and I to help people with their potential future. Many of us found Christ in a setting like this, and he gave us vision for our potential future. Our families, our relationships, our loved ones, our marriages. He says, here's how your life can be. And he did that through the church. When, we, when my children were growing up, uh, you know, we would play Xbox together. And there's this game called Madden. It's a football game. And so we would play this game. And they had a bedtime, which was on a school night. They had a bedtime. And there's this one time we're playing. And uh, as we're playing... We're making noise, and it's close to their bedtime, so Heidi would come in and remind us that bedtime soon, and she would come in the room and say, hey, guys, 10 more minutes, and then it's bedtime. The boys got to go to sleep, and there's school tomorrow. And, and i say, oh, okay, but then we just started. It's the first quarter. It's not going to be 10 minutes long. And you parents of children who have, you know, games and things, you understand what they're saying. But, Mom, we just started. We can't pause. Oh, yeah, no, I can't, Mom. My friends are online. Whatever it is. So we're doing that. And, and Heidi said, 10 more minutes. And we're like, oh, okay. So we're playing, we're playing. And then, you know, five minutes later, a touchdown. Yeah, we're screaming. Heidi comes in the room. Hey, guys, five more minutes. Five more minutes. And I'm like, oh, five more minutes. Okay, I, it's not going to finish in five minutes. It's only the second quarter. So uh, she goes, no, five more minutes. The boys got to go to sleep. I'm like, okay, okay. You guys got to go to sleep. There's school tomorrow. So she leaves the room and I said, guys, look, just be quiet. If you guys be quiet, she's not going to come back. So if we score a touchdown or a first down, just be quiet. But you can't play Madden football and be quiet. It's hard to do, especially with two boys. So we're playing this, and then we score a touchdown. I say, yeah, yeah, high five. So we have to be quiet, and we listen. See, 
she can't hear us. So we're playing, we're playing, we're playing, and then we went past the time, and finally it's tied the score. The only way we can win is if we throw a Hail Mary pass in the hopes that someone catches it and runs for a touchdown. Lo and behold, it happens. And so my son throws a pass. My other son, Jordan, the younger one, catches it, and he's running. And we're like, go, 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 go. And he's running, and he scores the touchdown. And we're like, yeah. But we can't be quiet. Now we're yelling and screaming, yeah. Heidi opens the door. She opens the door and says, it is past the kid's bedtime. They need to go to sleep. There's school tomorrow. And I'm holding the Xbox controller. I'm like, but we won. We won. And she goes, they're sleeping. Shh. I'm like, what do you mean? I turned. They're on the bed like this. They're sleeping. And I said, you liars. You guys aren't sleeping. You guys are up. And they're still lying down. And I said, Heidi, they're still up. They're not sleeping. You guys are horrible children. Do this to your father. Leave me hanging. And Heidi says, it's past their bedtime, Luxina, in the room. <laughs> I looked at them, I'm going to get you back. You guys grounded from playing this. No, no, you're not grounded because I like play too. So we left and, and then I thought, it can seem like the mom comes in to take away the fun. It can seem like <laughs> one of the kids, yeah, yeah, it can seem like that. But here's what Heidi was doing very well that I was not doing. As the parent, responsible parent, she was concerned about the future of tomorrow. She was concerned that they're going to not get up. She was concerned that they're not going to get enough sleep because in school they're going to be tired. And they're going to be falling asleep during class, not like the dad who is thinking about himself right now in this fun. And God is no different God is, yeah, he wants us to be happy to a certain degree, not that we hurt ourselves, but that we think about our potential future. And he says, this is why I've created this thing called church, because I see your potential future. That I don't want you to just think, oh, life is all about fun, because if you do, then you're only ruining your own personal life. It's really about the potential future that I see for you. He was saying this to his disciples when he called them. He said, when he said, come follow me, what he was saying is, I'm going to lead you to a better life. And so they did. One of the disciples that followed him was a man by the name of Peter. So he said to Peter, come follow me. And Peter did. Peter was a fisherman. And so Jesus called Peter and said, Peter, you're no longer, his name was Simon. You're, you're no longer called Simon. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm giving you a new life, a new future. You are now called Peter. And so he changes his identity because he's concerned about his potential, fu- his co- potential fu- future. Let's look at our notes. You can take that out of your bulletin. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus brings a group of people, to get, people together called the church. We know them as the disciples, but, but he's actually building his church. And so in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says to Peter, I also say to you, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Another translation would say the gates of hell 
will not overpower it. What Jesus is saying to Peter, and, and he's, he said this to us too. He said, you're no longer the same person. You're a different person because of me. I'm transforming you into a new person. I'm giving you a new life. You're no longer the same. And upon my life, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build you up, Peter. I'm going to make you into a different person because I see your potential future. That's what the church is for. That's who he called us to be. That word church that Jesus uses is actually the Greek word ekklesia. Two words put together, ek, which is where we get the word exit. If you see our exit signs, that's where we get the word exit from. It means out of. And then kaleo, which is the second part, means to be called, to call. So ekklesia really means to be called out. That's what the church means. That's what he calls you. You're the called out ones. That we don't just gather together and then we're done and then that's it. He says, no, no, we, we're called together so that I call you out. Call you out of this building to, to represent me into this world. I call you out of your comfort zone so that you can do great things for me. I call you out of your normal habits and now I'm going to develop greater ones in you. I call you out of your home into your workplace. I call you out of this church body into your home to represent me. I call you out of this building into the community. I call you out of the way you used to think into a new way of thinking. I'm calling you out. That's why when we come to church sometimes or we gather together and God speaks something, we think, how does the pastor know? I mean, I'm going through that exact very thing right there. It's not the pastor. It's the Spirit of God calling you out. That's what he's doing. We gather together because his Spirit draws us near. Even though you're thinking, well, no, I'm just coming to check things out. No, you're drawn by the Spirit of God. That's what we all have in common. We have the Spirit of God in common. That He's drawing us near to Himself. He, he, he calls us out of even our worst, worst kind of lifestyle. Our worst kind of messes. You know, when I first came to Jesus, I came with all kinds of junk. Sometimes people think, well, if I get my act together, then I'll come to Christ. It's not going to happen because when do we get our act together? Even when we do know Jesus Christ, we still need to get our act together. See, when I came to know Christ, I came while I was yet a sinner. And then I understood, wait a minute, that's when Christ died for me. The Bible says this is how God demonstrates his love, that he died for me while I was yet a sinner. He didn't wait for me to become good. He is good and died for me, making me better. So I don't have to, I don't have to get better and then come to church. I come to church just as I am. Yesterday, we were at uh, that Kohala, the Kohala Pumpkin Patch, and some of you might have been there. It's, it's a great place. They're doing an excellent job there. And so we went there, and uh, at one part, uh, my grandson, who is two years old, uh, he needed to be changed. And so he's in between pampers and then potty training. So he's at that age. And so I looked at his, uh, uh, this situation, and I told my son, Jay, who is Landon's dad, I said, Jay, this is a two-man operation. Let's go do this. So we took him to the uh, restroom. And thank God for those, um, those uh, table, those, you know, the things that you put the kid on. Uh, I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. I don't know the term. It's the thing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I guess it's a koala bear on it. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe it's hugging. I don't know. So we put uh, Landon on it. And so we assess the situation, and it is amazing. Amazing. 
And I looked at my son Jay and I said, have you ever seen anything like this? And he said, this, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. We used maybe 10 to 15 baby wipes. That thing did not work. It did not work. It's, it's too soft. It needs to be like Brillo pad. You know that scrub pad, the green pad? It, because this thing was not coming off. And I was thinking, what did he eat? And Landon's singing. Ah, la, la. I'm like, I'm glad you're enjoying this because we're not. So we're trying to get this done. And I said, you know, Jay, this, this is not working. We've got to go to the sink. <laughs> and now I'm thinking that's not the right thing to do. You don't go to a sink and then go bathe your baby in that. But it's not my baby. So I said, we got to do this. And so I said, Jay, let's just go, go. And so I'm holding him. And so I, this is his back. This is his two legs. And so I'm holding him. And, uh, and so we're, we're doing our very best to clean him. And don't worry, we wiped down the counter and everything was good. So we, we cleaned him up. And then we brought him back, put his pamper on, wiped him down. Everything was good. We're done. So we leave the restroom. By then, his mom is coming, my daughter-in-law. She's like, where were you guys? I said, <laughs> We were doing some operational things in there. This, this wasn't the easiest thing to clean up. I said, what did he eat? What did you feed him? And she said, well, he ate fruits. That's not fruits. Where is this fruit from? And she goes, oh, he also ate Lucky Charms. I said, yeah, that was Lucky Charms. That was magically delicious for him. But we weren't that lucky. So it was just that bad. So we were done, and, and, and he was fine. He was fine. And I thought, I wonder if our babies were left on their own to tend to themselves with their messes. What would happen? Yeah, it would be pretty horrible and the kids wouldn't have a great time. And I thought, Lord, that's what the church is for, isn't it? It's not for perfect people. It's for people like me who has a lot of messes. That I can come to church just as I am, and then you're the one who cleans me up with industrial strength, whatever you use, to clean up my soul. Because my soul has a lot of junk in it. And he says, you come to me just as you are. I, I can help with that. See, I liken the church to a hospital that that we're, we're dying. We're dying on the inside. We're empty. We're, we have a sickness called sin that we don't know what to do with. We go through our heartaches and pains throughout the week and day in and day out, and, and we need one another to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to worship God together, to find strength in this thing called relationship. You wouldn't go to a hospital and, like how we do in church sometimes, we say, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I don't know what he's doing in church. Oh, I know that sister. She needs Jesus. You know, we, and sometimes we'll say those things. And, and so we come to church and sometimes we'll judge other people or sometimes we feel judged. And that's not what we do at the hospitals, isn't it? And when you go to the hospital, you don't walk by a room and say, oh, that guy's to hook up to an uh, IV. I wonder what's wrong with him. Oh, look at that lady over there. How come she's here? Oh, that guy coughing kind of uncontrollably. Why is he here at the hospital? Oh, I wonder what's wrong with that guy. He shouldn't be here. He's sick. We don't say that at a hospital because that's what a hospital is for. That's why a hospital is built. This is what a church is for. Number one, if you're taking notes, the, the, a church is to be an extension of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is for. It's to be an extension of Jesus. See, church is not a place you go. Church is something you are. So the people 
is what makes up the church. We're an extension of Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember doing this when we were little. Remember this uh, little nursery rhyme? You'd put your hand together like this and make this steeple. And then you'd say, um, how does it go again? See, I didn't even have to tell you. You already know it. Just in case you don't, here is the church and here is the steeple. Open the doors and here's all the... See? Now let's all do this. Let's put your hands together if you can. I know sometimes hard. If you don't know how, here's the instructions. First thing, two hands together, clasp every other finger, and then turn them around and two fingers up, point your fingers, okay? Now straight up, okay? So here is the church and here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the... So look at the people. Just to remind you, some are tall, some are not. Some are thin, some are not. And that's okay. That's the church. You can let go now. You're having too much fun. You're like, look at me. That's me. That's me right there, the tall one. Uh, the, the church is the people. That's, that's who makes up the church. It's not a building. It's the people. And that's what Christ wanted us to know, that we're the extension of his hand. That's why here at New Hope Hila Hawaii, you're going to find welcome. That's what you're going to find. If there's someone who makes you not feel welcome, then I would say they're, they're having a difficult time with their church. You're going to also feel loved. And if someone is making you feel unloved or giving you a difficult time and you don't feel loved, then they're having a difficult time with their church. You're going to feel respected here. And if, you, if you're being disrespected by someone here, then, then that someone is having a very difficult time with their church. Because church is the people. It's the person. We're supposed to be an extension of the hands of Christ. See, the church doesn't belong to us, one another. The church doesn't belong to the pastor. The church belongs to Christ. He's the head of the church. He's, we represent him. Look at how 2 Corinthians 5.20 puts it. It says, now then we are, what is the word? Ambassadors for who? For Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So that's what the church does. It's an extension of Jesus Christ to reconcile people to God. It's a relational thing, not a religion. And Jesus says, you're my ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. So I thought, wait, what does that mean then to be an ambassador? Well, here's the definition. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission. So as an ambassador for Christ, we represent Christ on a temporary mission because this is not our home. Heaven is our home. But until then, we're his ambassadors so that we represent him to a world that has yet to know him as Lord and Savior. We reach people one relationship at a time. That's who he's called us to be. At this pumpkin patch, uh, we're in this corn maze. And this corn maze is amazing because they, first of all, give you a picture that you can follow. So everyone's taking their pictures on their phone and then trying to follow it. And then you have, you know, some old school guys are like, ah, I don't need that. You guys can use your phone. But me, you know, back in Nam, I never need that. <laughs> I look at the sky. I look at the ocean. Here in Hawaii, Malka, Makai. Malka, Makai. That's all I need. And they would try to find their way through. Well, we did, and we're trying to follow our, our uh, thir- three-year-old grandson. 
And he's saying, Papa, this way. And he'll just run. And we're like, wait, hang on. Now, he's small, so he can actually fit through anything. And we're saying, you can't go that way. That's not the trail. Now, in this corn maze, there were these guys called corn cops. So what they would do is they would help people who are lost find their way. And I thought, huh, that's just like the Spirit of God. That we come to him lost, and then he helps us find our way. These corn cops were great. In fact, they gave us some hints when we were kind of getting lost. They said, brother, go this way, go this way. No, no, go left. No, go left. Just go this way. Shh, shh. No, tell that guy over there. He lost. Let him go. And so he would just kind of let us go. Then he would watch that guy and say, bro, no, not that way, this way. So he would help us, let us have the fun part of it, but he would help us along the way. And I thought, that's just what God does through the church. That's what he does through his spirit. Whenever we're lost, we can't find our way. We need encouragement from a brother or a sister. They'll say, wrong way. Wrong way. You got to go this way. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't feel like, well, this is the best way. This is the way out. You're still lost. See, the, the, the church represents the Lord. We're his ambassadors. We're an extension of his hand. And Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he helps us find our way. Jesus helps us in everything that we do. And in fact, in, in our church too, we, we do everything that we can to help people find their way. We have different ministries. We have Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights. We have our youth ministries, our life stage ministries where your children are, are in right now. We have uh, our, our various uh, outreach ministries and, and we have our Bread of Life ministries that, that feed our community. So we have various things that the church does very well because we're supposed to be an extension of the hand of Christ to help people find their way that's why we have this worship audition on the 26th, is to help people use their gifts and talents for the Lord. And it's in that relational setting that sometimes, like we saw in the video, someone may be serving and then they'll say, oh, you don't look like you're your same self. You doing okay? Well, I know my family and hey, let's pray. You know, if you need a phone call, let me know. I, we can talk story, whatever it is. Well, let's just go lunch together. That's, that's what Jesus came to do, to build relationships so that we can, with each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other. We're ambassadors for Christ. He's the head of the church. We belong to him, which I am so glad. As Ephesians 1.22 tells us, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. I'm so glad that he is the head of this church because we benefit from that. Who is the head of the church? Jesus. God is the one who has designed all of this so that we can know him. He's the head of the church. And so what Jesus said, what he did, what God said, what he did, what Jesus thought, what God said, he's still saying, he's still doing, he's still thinking about it. He has never changed. It's us as human beings who change. And then we, when we say we're standing on the principles of God, sometimes the world will say, what a, well, where was the church? Well, all of a sudden, now the church? No, the church has always stood on the principles of God. It's we who change, not God. And so we stand firm on who God is and, and who Christ said we're supposed to be. That's why we gather, as the Bible says, we're, we're not to give up this habit of gathering together. Certain things take place when we gather together. 
We remember who we are. That's why we got to be a part of it. That's why we, we volunteer. That's why many of you serve. Because you understand what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Because we're an extension of Jesus. But not only that, the second thing is, this is why the church is here. It's to be encouraged and strengthened. That's what the church is for. That we encourage one another. We strengthen one another. We get into the word of God together so that we're strengthened and encouraged. Oh, I, I know some people would say, and, and, and many of you may have thought this before, and, and if this is in your mind, then I want to help you with this phrase that is tossed around every now and then. That people will say that I don't go to church because I don't like organized religion. And what they mean by that, what they mean by that is organized religion says this is what you have to do in order to gain God's favor. That's what organized religion is. But Jesus was the most non-religious leader in history, but was the most organized leader. In history, especially when it came to relationships. See, Jesus is not a religious organization. He is a purposeful relationship builder. He's purposeful. Jesus is not a religious organization. He is a purposeful relationship builder. That's what he does best. He was so powerful with relationships. And because he was so powerful with relationship, relationships, the church, you and I, if you want to call it an organization, because there is some organization to it, but it is not the key focus, it's relationship, that this is the longest-running organization of its kind in all of history. Many organizations have come and gone. But his one, the way he organized the church and how he uh, built the church, it continues on to the point of... The church is usually the first responders when there's a natural disaster. Did you know that? Very rarely will different organizations be there first because of bureaucracy or protocol. But as the body of Christ, when there's a natural disaster, they move because there's a need. That's all the church needs to know. There's a need, they move. Now, we can't fulfill every single need, but we can do our part being led by the Spirit of God because the church belongs to Christ. And so when God says move, we move. And so when we face difficult issues and the Lord says you move on it, then the church moves together. Here's how Acts 14.27 puts it. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. God is able to do that. In other words, God is saying, look, you're not going to have an exclusive group. You're going to include everyone. You're going to reach out to other people because every single person needs strength and encouragement throughout their days, throughout their weeks. Do you know how encouraging it is and how much strength one receives when a report is given by God and what he has done and what doors he has opened? I can't tell you like the, that a praise report and prayer request that's on the end of your bulletin, that tear-off tab, when you fill that out, it just boosts everyone up. When people say, this is what the Lord is doing, and we pray through that, boy, it just encourages people. When people tell me, oh, Pastor Sheldon, you know, we were praying last week, and, you know, I was supposed to be evicted. I had no place to go. But all of a sudden, God opened up a door, and I have a place to stay, and my rent is a whole lot less. 
I'm like, praise God. We got to talk about the things that God does. And don't take any small thing and say, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that big. If it's, if it's a praise report for you, then it's a praise report for the body of Christ. Because even the simple things that God does shows his love to you and I, doesn't it? Even the simple things. We got to brag on the things of the Lord. Paul the apostle, the one who was, called, he was called Saul, and then he turned into Paul, that, that conversion of his life, now following Christ instead of persecuting, persecuting the church. He was one who planted many of the churches that you're reading in the New Testament if you're doing your devotions. But he knew how important it was to strengthen and encourage the believers. And he records in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, he says, For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. This is what we teach, he's saying. This is what Christ does, he says. He says, Christ encourages and strengthens. This is what he does. This is what I teach. That's why we teach here at church, because the Bible instructs us to do that. That's what Paul did. That's what Paul instructed them. And he said, this is what you teach them. And there are many things, but he, he, he narrowed it down to this. Acts 14, 21. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. There's that word. They encouraged, there's encouragement, encouraged them to continue in the faith. Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I thought, I like strength and encouragement. I do not like the suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I like it when, you know, there's no problems and everything is running smooth and we like that. But Paul says, no, no, no. To enter the kingdom of God, you're going to have to endure some hardships. There's going to be some painful situations. You're going to have to suffer a little bit. See, we are here to strengthen one another, not to complain to one another. We're here to uphold one another, not to tear each other down, to encourage one another, not to gossip and put others down. It's not why the church exists. We're here to build each other up. Well, you might be saying, well, we just, you know, we're praying about something for someone you can disguise it however you want. You can perfume it whatever you want. You can even put perfume on a dead animal. The animal is still dead. So it doesn't matter what we try to disguise. Get back to the heart of it and say, Lord, am I strengthening people? Am I encouraging people? Or am I tearing down people? Am I grumbling and complaining to other people? Because that's not what the church is for. This is where healing takes place. This is, this is where we're strengthened and encouraged. Because God wants us to build godly relationships. And that's the last point, if you want to write that in. To build godly relationships. Relationships are that important. Relationships are key. That's what Jesus came to do. With our, with our grandkids, driving with them, I was reminded of, because my, my children are grown up. I have a 25-year-old and, and a 19-year-old, so... They're not at home with us, so when Heidi and I are in the car and we're driving, we don't have little kids with us. I forgot how much they talk. And so it was easy for us to give them an iPad or an iPhone, but we're like, no, we need to endure this ride. Let's see how it goes. 
So my wife Heidi, great job with bringing toys and little books. And so we're just talking story with them, showing them the scenery. Hey, look, the mountain. And my oldest grandson, he's going, Papa, we're going through the mountain. I'm like, yep, we're going through the mountain. So we're going to go on a high place. And, and so we're talking story with them. It can be so easy for us, and, 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 I, and again, I, I know it calls for it for certain times when your kid is going crazy, and the only thing that will calm them down is a video or whatever it is, and, and I understand that, but I like when we can get back to the days of parents going nuts. You know when you just, you just, you're just so crazy that you say things that you normally wouldn't. Like you're driving and your kids are going crazy and, and you say things like, sit down or I'm going to break your legs. <laughs> like you say those things that you normally wouldn't say. We've, we've lost that in our society today. Where your kids are screaming and as a parent you're saying, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. <laughs> I can do the same thing. I miss that. You know, I miss those times. I, I, I miss the times where as parents we just go ballistic and we say, you know, I don't care if you pee your pants. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I told you to go earlier. See, the reason why we need that is because, hear me out on this, okay? Don't leave yet. We build godly relationships that way. If everything is surface, we don't get the junk out. With our children, if we just want them to be happy and just, no, 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 we don't want, to, we don't want any conflict. Uh, we don't want the kids cry, crying or, or complaining or whatever. So here it is. You miss building relationship. Now, again, it calls for it. I understand that there's things that we can teach with our kids and technology and all that. So I'm not against that. I'm just wondering, are we still building relationships with our kids in turmoil that we suffer many hardships? Are we still suffering many hardships to keep the relationships being built? Because even in the church, if you know, when you serve in church, you're going to have a lot of conflict. But we resolve it. We don't say, I'm done. That's what keeps me going. We've been through four pastors in this church. You know, they retire and then they go on to plant other churches and whatever things. And so I'm the fifth pastor. After me, somebody else will be here, but the church will continue to go on. I stay here because I need to resolve what's in my heart. When I come against a conflict with someone else, I don't just throw in the towel and say, forget it, I'm leaving. You know what I say? Lord, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in me? Fix this first before I throw in the towel. Then when you do something here, now I'm okay to go anywhere else. Why? Because I have godly relationships here first. If I think everybody else has to be good, and we're all going to be in no problems at all. Everything is fine. Hard to have this thing called church. Many hardships we will need to endure to enter the kingdom of God. But we need that. We need that friction every now and then so that we can get out the junk. We must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. On November 13th, we're going to have a vision night. It's a Wednesday night. And, and basically at our vision night, we just cast vision for where we're heading in the next year, 2014. And I would, I would pray that you would be there because we have great things that we're, we're doing and, and certain things we're revamping and, and getting in gear for 2013. And it'll give you a snapshot of the vision of what we're, where we're heading because this is where we serve. This is where we serve one another. This is where we get involved as the church should be because God has given us these talents and skills, the knowledge that we have, to be used for him because he is the head 
of the church. That's you and I. I think when we look at relationships, Paul says it best, Galatians 5.13. He says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. There's relationships. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This is what we get to do. We get to serve one another. We build godly relationships by serving one another. You know, the world is catching on to something because we'll use our gifts out there in the world and work, and that's fine because we do. We do need to use our gifts and talents to do certain things and then at the same time use them for the Lord, and that's what many of us do. But the world is looking for relationships, not just existing. In fact, in New York right now, they have this place called the Snuggle House. There's this big controversy right now because the snuggle house is designed, you pay $60 an hour, and all you do is sit down to someone next to you, and you just hug. Right, I know, it's, it's like weird right now. It's like, uh, no, I'm not endorsing it. What I am saying is people will pay $60 just to not feel alone. Just not feel alone. Because the, the quicker we advance in technology the quicker relationships go away. Technology is built for the user so that you can save time and energy, so that it can make things simpler. But has our lives become simpler? Do we have any more time now? Have any of you guys said, oh, I got all these gadgets. What am I going to do with my extra time? (laughs) See, it comes back to relationships. I'm not against technology. I use technology. But people need relationships. The Bible puts it like this in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, when you're able to get involved and build godly relationships, you're going to find strength in that, a kind of strength of belonging, that you can belong to something greater than yourself, that now you, you, you're living a life in such a way that not even the gates of hell can prevail against it. I think that kind of life is a kind of life worth living for. After all, that's what the church does best. If I were to sum it up, the church is to glorify God. That's your spiritual act of service to God, is to glorify God in your bodies. We come to strengthen one another. We're an extension of the hands of Christ so that we can build godly relationships. Don't forget who you are. Amen. Let's pray. You can close your Bibles. And as we pray, I'm going to read a portion from the book of Acts. And Lord, here's our prayer because this is how you designed the church. 
They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Lord, that's our prayer. We want to be that kind of church that we're, we're led by you, that we're, we're continually moving forward steadfastly in, in your word and in the teachings that you give to us, that we continue to fellowship or meet together, that we break bread together, we receive communion together, we eat meals together, we pray together. Many signs and wonders are being done, Lord, in our midst. May we always talk about them, that we'll continue to praise you and have favor with you and, and with all people. And as you continue to add to the church, those who are being saved, we will continue to praise you and glorify you because that's what the church is for. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we thank Jesus, the head of the church, and how good he is? I want to remind you about water baptism today at 1.30 for those of you who received Christ uh, recently. Or, or maybe you're saying, um, I've never gotten water baptized, but I've been coming to church for like 10 years. I don't know if I want to go because people are going to say, how come you never got baptized yet? No, you listen to the Spirit of God. Remember, He's directing. He's saying, this is the way to go. Listen to His Spirit and He'll help you. So that's today at 1.30 at Coconut Island. Now, also, Tuesday, some of you are wondering.